0: Welcome to What's Left with the political discussion challenge in the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host, teacher and socialist, Andy Lipson, and community organising socialist, Kenny Cepeda. We are online at what-s-left.webner.com. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, uh, share your favorite episode, uh, and uh, jot down our information uh, wherever you found this episode. Thank you. Well. Today we'll be doing a sort of a special episode on this Sunday as it is out of the norm uh, for us. Um, And we will be discussing the case of an up and coming uh, politician in San Francisco and more of the microcosm of San Francisco liberal politics as it relates to the mainstream left in the USA. Um, We live uh, in in the Bay Area. And uh, Kenny and I live in San Francisco. Andy used to live in San Francisco for the longest time trying to be a fake Oaklander. And here we are now trying to discuss some of the politics at SF because it really does, it does say something about, you know, I mean, this is Mecca, right? For liberal, uh, Democrat uh, politics in uh, the USA. And what happens here is It really does give us a sense of how, um, what will come or how people act or what the hypocrisy is. Uh, Kenny, do you want to take it from here?
1: Yeah. Um, So today we'll be discussing um, the case of uh, John Jacobo. He's that up and coming politician that you mentioned, um, Eduardo, um, that I happen to share uh, organizing circles with. Uh, So I've uh, definitely interacted with this character Uh, And uh, know of his involvement in multiple uh, uh, types of organizing with regards to COVID. You know, he was definitely pushing uh, COVID testing, COVID vaccines in the Mission, which is the uh, Latino neighborhood. Um, He he helped fund and was a chair uh, at the Latino task force, uh, focusing on health issues, Uh, that affect the Latino community. Uh, He's also been, uh, you know, at protests, like BLM protests uh, representing the Latino community, you know, in support of, you know, that struggle. Uh, So this person also has links to uh, Hilary Ronan, is a prominent politician in the city with aspirations to become major. Uh, He, uh, I think, was campaigning uh, for her in in her um, endeavors. Uh, he, you know, I've also had like some ties, like personal ties with him because I have, we have similar friends um, or we've had uh, politically we become distant, um, you know, politically we don't align, I would, you know, describe his politics and the people that he associates with as more liberal, you know, like a liberal progressive, um, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I criticize actually he represents and the people that he, re- he surrounds himself with. Um, and so, like you said a lot, I think this this character is a, um, an, a an example of you know the bigger political machine and how it works uh, because he was uh, accused of um, um, raping uh, someone, uh, a college Stanford educated person. I personally don't uh, want to bring her name here. Uh, people can look this up. You know the. The story, uh, she mounted what amounts to a, uh, basically a court case uh, in order to come out and 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 prove that she had been abused, sexually abused by John Jacobo. Um, And so John Jacobo was also uh, working for uh, the Building Inspection Commission. That was his actual job uh, before he uh, stepped down. And he stepped down from multiple positions in different organizations. And so for me, the story is not even just about that. Obviously, it's a despicable act. There's more people that have come out um, saying that he, they had similar instances with, with John Jacobo. Uh, obviously, uh I, I didn't know of those things, but I know about his character. I know about how him he would position himself in situations where he would look good to advance his political career. He had political aspirations uh, being a, black, a, a brown man in, in the mission. Uh, so he would position himself, um, you know, as the leader of the mission, essentially. And uh, he was respected by a lot of people. And so for me, this story is, is more than John Jacobo. It's about the people that have protected him all along because he had participated in a lot of, he's known for having toxic masculinity issues. You know, um, I've been, you know, he's a uh, crossfire, basically, you know, uh, I've seen it personally. So when the news of this came out, I was not surprised, you know. Um, and so for me, the story is, well, how do these characters get to those positions to be gatekeepers of resources for the community? Because uh, he, uh, for example, was in the Latino task force that in the organizing community is known for having toxic masculinity issues. You know, it is led by a lot of elders, you know, with a lot of power to distribute resources. Uh he also obviously, like I mentioned, has uh connections to Hillary Ronan. And um so where where were these people before? You know,
0: sorry. Can I insert just before you jump there, Kenny, how he is also. Someone that we've, the three of us, in some shape or form, on un- just how he's connected, just quickly, if I may. He so John is the policy director of San Francisco based, uh, non- well, he was at the nonprofit I don't know, I think he stepped down, but anyway, nonprofit housing developer at Dotco. No, he serves as on um, the San Francisco Department of Build- He served and he stepped down at the San Francisco Department of Building Inspection Commission. He was the California Latino Press Secretary for Bernie in 2020. And most recently, he co-founded the Latino Task Force that you just mentioned. And and that really focused, they really focused on um, bringing COVID testing in the Mission District. And he was at the peak of his career and is was widely rumored to uh, run in San Francisco's district supervi- uh supervisor uh, uh, race uh, and once the seat would become vacant in, in 2024. The three of us are connected. You, I think, you have been, as you mentioned, through your organizations. Andy unknowingly uh through because of how involved Andy is through uh, uh UESF or formerly was very involved in or, or you st- I think you're very involved in your union, except now you've been pushed to the margins because of your our political positions, you know, in, in your case and, and mm-hmm. everything that we've been discussing here almost left. What's interesting is the people who have now are in the union leadership are friends with John Hakobo. Mm-hmm. And the people who you've organized with, I'm not going to mention some names, Andy, but the people who you organize are friends with John Hakobo. So that's your connection. My connection uh, is through having worked in the Mission District and having also gone to high school with people who went to school and and who also know John Hakobo in a very personal way. But Andy, you and I also, uh, well, I'm now on the other side of the aisle as a family member of the Central Unified School District and you as a member of UESF and also an educator in San Francisco, but the school board and the school board is, as we have discussed already in an episode before, Gabriela Lopez is the president of the school board who is in a romantic relationship with John Jacobo and John Jacobo again, prominent figure in the mission. So it's all these, you know, network and ties that we are connected and Kenny's um, involvement in various organizations and Kenny's ties to the mission district and ties and friendships, you have met John Hakobo through these circles, right? They overlap. So yeah. it's just, it's just this is almost very personal to us. And it shows where I think what we're gonna see is really a reflection of the left um, through the handling of this situation. And that's what I wanted to insert very quickly, because I think it's it's very relevant and it affects us even on a personal level, no? Yeah. One more thing I want to insert that it
1: highlights how, how connected he is. He was also very much involved in uh, Ocasio-Cortez's visit, visit to the mission. You know, I remember that incident, you know, that was when I was getting more involved. I was, you know, I've never really been, you know, at the level of involvement that they have because I don't want to play dress up, <laughs> you know. And, but I remember them wearing suits and ties when Ocasio-Cortez was here. It was a very... Um, you know, a limited space. It wasn't open for everyone, as you know, as it was made seem. You know, it was limited space, in the you know the creme and the creme of the political class of this city attended those that shit. You know, with you know some room for other people, uh, but again, it, it's a uh, it's a close circle. You know, um, there are friendships. Maybe they're not all friends, but they know each other. They know of each other. You know, they know the rumors about people. And, and but and they all share the same you know aspirations to fix right bring resources bring a change up, 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 to, to our communities through you know the liberal progressive routes so and that's why I call them gatekeepers of resources you know because these are the people that are going to the community in a, you know in a missionary form you know of, of making sure that people are you know Fill out the census, make, making people making sure people get tested for COVID, get connected to the systems that we are discussing in, in this uh, show that we we think are actually detrimental to the very communities that we're advocating for. You know, the people that are, most a lot of the people that are not vaccinated are in this community in San Francisco, and yet you know the vaccine mandates are going to affect that community. You know, the the vaccine passports, the digital identity things that we're talking about are going to affect the immigrant you know, undocumented community. You know, and and so there's a lot of cognitive dissonance, but this show is about, you know, how these people protect each other. Because I know people, you know, in and, and I don't want to name names, but organizers, fellow organizers with a la- prominent clout in the community. Uh that they're artists in in very close interactions in knowledge in 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 and basically they were, they've been they've competed for uh attention against John Hakovu and yet they've always defended this character you know that we've known it's 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 trying to escalate you know in the political scene you know at the expense of people's labor you know at the expense of a lot of women <laughs> you know he he's been known in my circles at least for taking credit for work that he doesn't do but just inserting himself in 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 things that are optically you know, like VLM, you know, he was representing the Latino community as to who appointed him. You know, but he was saying that, you know, that in advancing the narrative that BLM is just a fight for, you know, black people. It's not a general fight because they see the, the, the world through this prism of, you know, identity politics. And, you know, it's their fight. We have our separate fight. You know, we don't see a common uh, struggle. Uh, um,
0: so. I forget I think it was you, Kenny, who had brought up this topic. I think this was your idea, and you know I was a I was hesitant, but not not like a strong hesitancy, but I did feel somewhat um maybe I would say afraid a bit, not because I didn't think it was important or because I wanted to defend him or because I wanted to stay um cover or not speak to that or give him his due process, which he deserves, by the way. Anybody should if you're if you think that you are are, you know, if something's alleged against you, anybody, one of us would want that. No. I but I wasn't afraid be, uh because I was um no excuse me I wasn't trying to side with him or side with the uh I, I was more afraid of how this is something again a reflection of how the left functions in even when you are connected with people who are very prominent and people in power. I was afraid, and I still am, and after this po- this gets posted, I was afraid of my connections being severed because of this, and I'm still not. You know, Kenny, San Francisco is like a, like a small town <laughs> we, you know, yesterday, the other day I went to the opera here in San Francisco and, um, at the Oracle, is it the Oracle or at whatever? They're changing the names at the AT&T park at the baseball. No, the, the the only one candlestick, whatever the names have been changing over the years, but I just went to go see the opera. No. And as I went on the bus, I saw someone as I went on at the, at, I, I queued up for, for going inside the La arena the, um, stadium. Uh, uh i saw someone else from the mission it, it, you just see people and it's a small town no? so it, this is the this is this is the smallest major city in the usa so it's a small town and for me building over time having left the jehovah's witness organization having over time built my friendships and my connections here in san Francisco as i've gone abroad but then come back you you still have these friendships that you make through Idm uh, through Facebook, through media, the social media, no, and having worked in Texas Unified School District, which is also a lot of teachers, Andy knows this, are connected to the greater asset politic world. Uh, like they get involved in mayoral races, no, and other democratic clubs, etc. So, why am I just? It's just very. Hard. I just want to express that because anybody watching this is going to think that we're just trying to attack. But this is something that's important. And I'm glad Kenny actually wanted to, to do this. I have when I was organizing on the mission against the Google buses that were overtaking and they were parking in the muni areas and everything with friends. This is how close it is. Like the closest friend to John Hakobo, one of the closest political organizers is also someone I, or, I organized with against the Google buses and big tech when it was coming into the mission. So I imagine that after if this gets to them, I'll probably be defended after this, or probably be severed or be someone who wants like not be close to me. The school closures happened. Families were not very happy with John Cobo speaking out and speaking for the Latino community, as Kenny has also been saying, saying that we don't want to go back. When 70% of us went back or surveyed, said that we want to go back the Latino community. And then we went in large droves, over 80% of the mission schools went back uh, 80%. And how do you know that? Because we were two day schedules when we couldn't have, um, five days. Because if you had five days, it meant less students went. If we had two days, that meant a lot of students went that they couldn't, it was they couldn't be at capacity because of COVID and measures and all that. No. So he got it wrong for the Latino community and speaking up for the Latino community on KPFA, on CDS, Bay Area. On Grand Four Bay area, on every outlet that they're giving him because he's a charismatic brown Latino man who is beloved because he can speak the mission talk, but he can also speak very eloquently. And I know this of him, and that's why people love him. London Breed loves him and hugs him and kisses him, and everyone loves him. Hillary Ronin, who replaced or not replaced, but ran and then became the supervisor for David Campos, who was um, the supervisor, District Nine in or District Nine or District Ten, is it? I forget. Well, the District of Mission, the Mission District. That's nine. Nine, right? Yes. Which Andy has lived there for a very, how many years were you living there, Andy? Uh, 15, something 16. Yeah. So you would know your, the Mission. But I don't vote for that stuff. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so Hillary Ronan, who took him under his wing, or under her wing. Um. So this is, this is way I just wanted to say my first fears no my my first hesitancy and it's unfortunate that people are not speaking out about this people don't want to friends even the vice president i'll just say of the ues of uesf who is buddy buddy with john jacobo didn't say anything on a social media platform who is now a politician in san francisco and should probably say something about it but didn't say anything. KPFA, I emailed them. Have had them numerous times. Not one peep, not one word. No one is saying anything. So that's why we are saying something about this. And that's why it's important because it's hypocritical. You know, the left, when the MeToo movement came out, the left, as Kenny was talking about how John Hakovo has had a history, you know, with women. The left prides itself of having come to the Me Too's defense of women having come out and shared their stories. And they came out even when Dr. Chrissy blas see, Am I saying it correctly? Uh, Andy? Uh, Kenny? Blasey, Blasey Ford? Yeah, ble- yeah, I can't remember. Blazy Blasey? Yeah. I'm always horrible with names. But when against Brett Kavanaugh, no? But it's suddenly when your own in your community on the left suddenly you don't want to say anything and what do you do yes it's awkward yes it's oh shoot not you but but we're talking about someone else no we're talking about a victim here or a survivor as others would say and what do you do in the face of this Are you suddenly going to forget the principles and the values that you aspire? You say that you're going to stand for it. So, I I think this is why it's important to say and talk about this. No, I'll leave it there for now. We'll discuss more, but I I want to give you a chance to speak, Andy. So I I just I that's the reason why. As much as I had expressed my fear in talking about this, I think it's important. No one else is doing it. No, and I appreciate Kenny having write it up so i'll leave it there and we'll discuss further i'm just initially just expressing my initial thoughts on this so yeah
2: well i the thing i heard from you eduardo one i agree that what the issue that kenny is raising is like i believe partly what we're talking about is how do how does these people who are powerful up in washington dc or in these corporations, how do they become that way? And how do, how do they start one place and go somewhere else? Because I think what we're talking about in part in this story is the beginning of watching that process of how people who might, when they grow up and kids are curious, they, they, they love, they hate, they get angry, they, they help, they care. But there's, there's a process that takes place through through politics and under capitalism that turns people into something else. Um, and I think that's partly what we're, where we're saying. Hey, we're looking at an early version of this, not uh, John Jacobo. Okay, not just John, but he's a stand-in for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for Joe Biden, for Barack Obama, for everybody we've seen, you know, what, move up the chain and been like, they they started from here, but they went there, you know? So uh, that's one of the things that, that was interesting to me about talking about this and talking about how politics, how progressive politics in a city which you know fashions itself as so progressive and liberal how do how do we in in, in this area create create our own structure of uh of repression um and and of of, of tyranny within that uh, because that's that is what when we talk about Biden we're talking about tyrants now when we talk about Obama we're talking about tyrants so these people came from from these kinds of cities um so that's one thing the second thing is is the, the the stuff around Me Too and sexism, which we've touched on around more about abortion rights, but we've never gotten a chance to talk about it. We did, we did talk about it in, in terms of the Brett Kavanaugh stuff. Um, and we saw how it was being politically weaponized and we had some questions about whether this was good for the fight for women's rights and against sexism. We both, I think many of us questioned whether this weaponization of Me Too politically was 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 going to be a step forward for women. And, and I would say we we said it wasn't. But more than that, I think so. I appreciate Kenny bringing this up around, so we can talk about this with people who we are some levels of contact with. Because you're right to say that I don't think I have as much direct. But you're right; I'm in I'm in that circle um, in some way. And I think it's also important to talk about fear in relationship to that, because I because when I think about these characters that I know, it's I start to feel fear myself. I start to feel like do what do I, I want to watch? What I say because people who I know might hear, and and that fear is poisonous to the possibility of of social change. So that that fear ultimately, if the left, I'm question. I don't know right now if I should even say that there's a like left. We all these questions of left and right are being opened up for me about whether those whether those ideas are even useful or whether they just are inherently divisive. But if one can imagine that left is just descriptive and right is descriptive and they both exist on a plane, then if the left is going to stand for something about changing the world for better, then it has to open the air up so we can talk about it. And for me, that's not as important about, so we have to speak out. I mean, if I'm upset about something, I do need to speak out. But I do think we have to do what you're doing, Eduardo, which is speak honestly about what we believe and what our questions are. and like... What, like, where, where, how do we speak honestly about what our own feelings are about some of this stuff? And that's what I think is the most important. And that, and that is the thing I'm going to try to overcome here today, which is not let my fear get in the way, but be honest about what my questions are, what my thoughts are, and not, and try not to worry about these different visions of different people who I might know, what they'll think about me in relationship to it, even as I worry about it. Because that is that environment. That we're trying to we're trying to clear the it's a fog filled room it's a smoke filled room we're trying to open some windows and let the fog and let the smoke out so we can breathe and talk openly about this stuff and I think that when you said this little point that you made Eduardo about fear that really struck like oh yeah that's what this is about this is about speaking in the face of fear and acknowledging the fear but then still trying to say well this is what I think and if you don't like what I'm saying if you think because I'm taking because a lot of this stuff around me too has been a kind of like passport. Oh, I, you know, I'm for me too, you know, so I'm, I'm allowed into the left progressive space. Oh, I have questions about me too. I should, I should shut the fuck up because I don't want to talk about some of my questions about what's going on here. Cause if I do, I'm not allowed into the club. So the, the vaccine is basically saying, I'm for me too. I'm for black lives matter. I'm for, all that lets you into the club. But if that's the kind of place we're going to have here on the left, we'll have no future. So that's what I think we have to do. I am against racism. I'm against sexism. I want to be a person who fights for that change. But I have questions about some of these things, you know, and I need to be able to talk about them. Whether I, I'm not black, but I have questions about racism and Black Lives Matter and that movement. I'm not a, a woman, but I have questions about Me Too um, and, and, and that movement. And I have questions about what the fight for sexism will look like in in our society, you know, if we're going to really be successful in it. I think it's related to taking down capitalism, but what does it mean to have a movement that challenges sexism? I don't think I know all those answers. And what does that mean in the context of of even if you took the criminal justice system out of it? What about due process just socially? What does that even mean? You know, does it mean that when, I mean, I do think some of the the things that the person who... um, was was raped, basically put forward, looked like that would be, that looked very much like, yeah, that would be, I mean, it looks very convincing, you know, so how do we, how do we deal with that when we know the person who is being accused? And so, you know, uh, those are questions. Um, so, and I have other questions, other, but that, that's my starting thoughts.
1: I think the piece that uh, grabs my attention, I mean, one of them is it's, you know, just belonging to the club, you know, and I, I think this is how we end up in this mess, you know, because like like you said, we are subject to fear, um, you know, in, in these circles, you know, at times there are questions and there are in the organizing circles that i have been part of, there is little deliberation, there's real, real, you know, disagreement. You have to repeat yourself. You end up repeating like you're part of a religious group. You know, you repeat the same stuff. You repeat the same phrasing, you know, without really understanding. It. But if you don't sound like everyone else, then you're an outsider, you know. And so that is not empowering. That's not a, a, a group. I actually I've rejected that, you know, like that's why I rail hard against identity politics. But I think it's brought us to this point where we're just pointing fingers at each other based on our you know, whatever identities, even though that is massively complicated, (laughs) you know, to really boil some person to an identity. And so it's ironic, right, like that we're trying to deconstruct, or at least liberal progressives are trying to deconstruct all these isms. And yet I feel that they're being reinforced by, you know, belonging to the club, you know, and not understanding, you know, or not being uh, empowered to question, you know, question characters that have power and why these characters have power in, in the first place. You know, why, why people like John Jacobo, you know, have to be gatekeepers of resources for our community. Why is he the emissary of our community? It's self-appointed emissary, I would say, in other people, other organizers, self-appointed emissaries of our community's needs, you know, and, and, and really they're just like the emissaries to ask for cramps, in my view, and, and that perpetuate that constant lie and so, because they have power, then they get away with a lot of shit like this. And they have to do it to keep belonging to the club and to keep climbing the the, the this ladder, you know, and to get to the very mountain, which is, I guess, the presidency. You know, if you are in the political system, you know. Um, and so, because this is not my first rodeo. When I was in college, I went to Obama's inauguration. My friend was in Congress. You know, I wanted to be a politician. I did. I wanted to do what John Jacobo was, change the world to liberal progressive ideals. I was a liberal. You know, I went to, uh, that's when things started to change a little bit. I went to Obama's inauguration and I saw, you know, like everyone wanted to go to a ball because, you know, that gives you access and power and you get proximity to certain people. And, you know, and and, and, and like, you know, it really is your degree of connection that gets you into those, you know, balls that, uh, you know, for inauguri- the inauguration. But everyone is acting like a fucking high school, you know, drama club, you know, in 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 in, you know, in jostling for getting into places. And that, again, is what happens here, you know. And but you have to say and do the right things. You have to even dress the part, you know, because, again, like when Ocasio-Cortez came here, I remember that this guy, John Jacobo, was in, you know, looked sharp in a suit. You know, yeah, that's the working class champion over here you know, and now look at Ocasio-Cortez, how complicit she's been, you know, in a lot of shit that's against the working class, and yet where the hell are we calling, you know, where the hell are we holding her accountable when we fill our mouths, we're holding people accountable, you know, and to me, it's like it will never come in a system like this that rewards people that are antisocial, because they're in it for themselves, really, ultimately. Yeah, of course, some of their actions do benefit some people, you know, like, they do grab crumbs and like spread them out and it looks good you know and that's what John Jacob and other people that are protecting his ass do you know but you know like I I don't know it's just something personal when I, for me like we were during the pandemic I or help organize a group you know that was uh, providing food and uh, you know services for immigrant families and documented families. Uh, I had a revelation. I was becoming that gatekeeper. That's what I I kind of distanced myself from that type of organizing. Of course, it was necessary, but that's not what was going to bring change. That's not a challenge to the system. It's actually feeding the system, you know. So I don't want to be Young Jacobo. I don't want to be the other people in other nonprofits, you know, claiming that they're doing shit for the for the community when in reality is that they're advancing their own careers. This shit happens in the nonprofit a lot. My 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 partner is going through that shit, you know, where she was, you know, basically uh, suppressed her dissent, uh, you know, and her challenge to this poverty structure at work was suppressed because her boss was a person with disabilities, an immigrant person with disabilities, you know, and, and so HR used that shit to, you know, just completely obliterate, you know, their their ask, you know, they were advocating for their, you know, clients, they were advocating for themselves, but we put people in these positions of power, like John Jacobo, and, you know, if he advances his career, then his job is to repress people that want to change things. His job is to say, wait a minute, Kamala Harris, wait a minute, you know, we've made progress here, but in reality, it was just, Sprinkling color into the same system, you know, but they're selling us that something is changing. You know, but not really. The same structure still continues, and so that that's not a power move. You know, that is just giving power to someone that's doing the same shit that looks like you know like us, and 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 that to me sounds like colonialism. You know, you know when they choose, pick and choose the ruling classes, the power structures pick and choose people that you know are gonna. Tell people to hold on, get in line, wait your turn. That's what John Jacob and all the people that surround him represent to me, because they are the ones who maintain and sustain and replicate and push the system. You know that we're trying to fight. It's not, you know, it's not changing anything really. Well, you know, in some ways, and I, I don't, Kenny, you're
2: gonna have to decide if this is a good way to go because one of the things you mentioned, um, and in some ways was. Was an implied critique? Was this thing toxic masculinity? Um, and I, I'd like to know what you what you mean by that, <laughs> because um, I know I think I'm familiar with sexism, with um, with uh, males, or you know um, how a male could be be act as, as a way that is like against a, a woman in the in the workplace or in in some sort of place where we're supposed to be equals. Um, but I'd like, to, can you say more what you mean by that? Um, because I, I'm, I guess I'm not just content with just hearing, oh, well, toxic masculinity. I'd like to know what 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 does that really mean? Because uh, I understand those things more in terms of words like sexism.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, it's um, it, it's related to capitalism. You know, like patriarchy precedes capitalism. You know, at least as much as I understand it in. You know, um, I'm not going to come in here and say that capitalism is responsible for, you know, uh, you know, patriarchy and all these structures that were designed to validate, you know, and I do see it to a Marxist lens, right, like uh, that, um, you know, economic dynamics, uh, you know, lead to structures that, you know, justify and legitimize and validate power, you know, in a society and So this, and I I bring this up because I'm not saying that, you know, John Hakobo shouldn't be masculine or have, you know, a certain type or behave a certain type, but his behavior in in seeing women as playthings, he can do and dispose with impunity, really. You know, it's perpetuated through this system that validates his behavior. You know, so because he wasn't just toxic to women, like I had interactions with this fool you know like where he was being con- he was condescending as hell to me, you know with his trying dominating thing, you know, trying to uh, you know assert his dominance, piss over you know in certain spaces, you know because he owns it, I guess because he has paid his dues, he's been validated by this system. you know and, and so that's what I, I I call toxic masculinity because it's not just him. there's other organizations here. That have a lot of men, you know, uh, that lead and in, in are the gatekeepers of resources that are not very inclusive. And I'm not talking in a in a liberal progressive way, but, you know, they're the ones deciding for the community. It's not a community call. And there is no way we can, like for me, we can get rid of toxic masculinity unless we have a socialist revolution, where we deal with this shit, where everyone has a voice, we, de- we, de- de- we deliberate, you know, opening, we're not afraid, you know, where women are not afraid to speak up against characters like him, like Cuomo, like you brought up, you know, like, uh, uh, Bill Clinton, you know, we have a lot of cases, you know, politicians, male politicians, you know, being, uh, you know, outed as uh, sexual abusers, right. Um, obviously it's not, that's not just a male thing. You know, there's women that get away with abuse and harassment too, in, women in power, you know, uh. But that's what I mean, like people that you know you know the, 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 because I do think there is a problem a, a validation of, of of males as having the the you know being the gatekeepers to a household, being the gatekeepers to community and in society resources you know so that's what I mean by toxic masculinity mm-hmm.
0: what I hear Kenny, and what you're sharing, and what I also am trying to sort out in my head is that this is when as it relates to toxic masculinity this is a case of power and toxic masculinity i don't think personally this is my opinion is my view i don't think uh is before power i think toxic masculinity is a manifestation of power and power is really what any gender any human being is really whether you are in a position like a leadership in your tribe or whether you are in a governing body or whether you are whatever it is whether you are have the power in your relationship with your romantic relationship or in your in your family the abuse of power is toxic and just historically for many reasons but one of those happened to be religion um, men have been in power no so of course the patriarchy has really been the dominant force of our societies i don't know if i would say those have been the dominant forces of our anarchistic societies prior to uh, european colonization or prior to like if we look back so many years ago right how women were considered as elders in many societies and matriarch societies have hung by the thread still to this day in expressing itself through power, like in uh, Eastern Europe, no, where um, there are still matriarchal societies and communities. But I do think that men have been, at least in the past century and past two centuries, stay in power and therefore um, that is toxic and that I would call toxic masculinity. It's, the power, it's the abuse of power. And and if those dynamics change because women are more in power, then I would say there would be a difference in how we would we would say it is being manifested. But right now, it's historically in the most pres in the most in the most closest of our history, it's been men in power. And that is what I would say is toxic masculinity. I don't know if that makes sense. I probably don't make sense i'm sorting it out myself so i apologize if it doesn't make
1: well, sense. I, does. I think it does i mean i have many thoughts i think that would take us to another conversation that i think is important that we should be having opening like we said without you know like uh you know the fear of being shamed and i think that's where the problem comes you know like it, it, when i hear touching masculinity, masculinity i'm also triggered because I I, I I see how it's weaponized into shaming because I believe that fundamentally liberal progressive politics believe that shaming changes culture. Mm -hmm. If culture changes, power changes. That's not how I see it. You know, like we have to change power to change about culture to change fundamentally. You know, putting women in positions of power, you know, is only gonna change shit optically. You know, the same with black people, the same with brown people, you know, and, and in fact, it's actually an attack against those communities. That's how I see it uh, from a colonial frame of, of understanding. You know, that I've come to understand that when I see a person in this power structure in the US put in a position like John Jacobo was rising to be, that that person is gonna be a tool of an attack to to uh assimilate basically the, the those groups you know that are asking for more inclusion in, in a society. And so, you know, uh for me. I'm not saying like liber- I do think liberal politics has raised important questions. There are important questions about the way we interact that I I never thought about before, because I I was I was I was raising Guatemala. I was validated in a system that pre- predominantly rewards men as the main economic actor in a society. So it has consequences culturally. So. I mean, I I also think, you know, like at least from my Marxist point of view, that this period of women's inclusion in the economic, you know, uh, productivity of society, you know, like more like more formal because they've always produced. Right. Uh, Housework is work and it's unpaid work. You know, childbearing is work, it's unpaid work, you know, for the collective production, uh, you know, producing a society. Right. But in order to change this stuff, you know, the, again, I'm just going back, we have to change power and people have to be empowered in the process of challenging the current structures. You know, not just by voting and tokenizing someone, you know, that plays the same game, plays dress up until tell it tells us that that's progress. You know, and, and so again, I'm going back to liberal politics. My, my problem with liberal politics is that it's so optical it doesn't really address the fundamental structure. You know, it, it is the couple detached from capitalism and the economic factors that lead to create the creation of a society, a culture. You know, like we can go have a whole thing of how I see, you know, like agricultural societies tending to become more male dominated for various reasons. You know, and it hasn't always been like that. You know, and by and large, all, the, all of these human interactions are social constructs. Whether it be through the church, whether it be through the states you know our, our liberal institutions actually are very much creating a culture but it has an economic factor you know built into it. that's how I you know again that's how I think from I guess my material sense um, And so you know uh, that's why I disagree with liberal politics, the shaming of you know trying to change the culture first. You know, that needs to be addressed. You know, there are things I've learned, you know, through the process of listening to liberal politics, like I mentioned before, that I wasn't aware of before. You know, but those things have to be debated and open, not be dictated, you know, down the chain through, you know, academics, you know, detached, you know, or or studying things in segregation out of, you know, the context of real daily interactions. You know, and these are the things we're going to have to wrestle with Like, I'm not saying let's put this to the side and let's never address it until after the revolution. You know, I think Lipson has made that point before that we have to contend with these things. We're going to have to address and talk about how this is detrimental to us, to the prospects of actually changing and producing the society that we want to. And so that's why I'm so mad and infuriated The characters like John Jacobo, Ocasio-Cortez, you know, uh, Kamala Harris, Barack Obama, You know, in uh, Hillary Clinton, because she was identity politics, too, you know, you know, there's people who argue that the only reason that she lost was because she was a woman. That's liberal progressive politics for you, not because she was horrible, a warmonger, you know, that she talked the deplorables, right? Not that she refused to go to West Virginia, not that because she said, you know, I'm going to take the jobs from the coal miners. You know. And, 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 and this also produces like a cultural, uh, you know, arrogance on the left. It cultivates that cultural arrogance to think that the right wing—they're just brutes without thoughts because they don't say and, and preach the same things that the that the liberal progressive left just preaches, you know, like a gospel. Um. So I me, mean,
2: I want to say a few things. First, liberal politics. Liberal politics. Um, are dedicated to maintaining capitalism but are structured around the idea that while we, while liberal politics are completely dedicated to capitalism, they have a notion that you can shift the deck chairs around on the Titanic and the thing doesn't sink. And so that that's the constant problem that, that they find. But they are open defenders of the current system. And we are seeing today by how liberalism is so dedicated to the state and big pharma that they are much more liberal. Politics are more dedicated to the current system than they are to change. They they are dedicated to the system with the hope that within that system they can make a little change. But they're not going to make fundamental change. That's their dedication. Liberals don't think of themselves that way, but that's liberal politics. That's number one. Um, number two. Um, I I'm I'm just gonna I, we can't touch on it too much, but. The Marxist understanding of the origins of sexism are the idea that they come from really the beginnings of, of the first states that came into being when essentially humans could produce a surplus and there, the, the notion of some people being able to, to count that surplus and then manage that surplus started a separation in society between people who would run that state-like thing and people who would produce. And at that point, the point before that was what Marxists would talk about—you know, nomadic people, indigenous people—was called primitive communism, when essentially reproduction and production were still bound up with one one with with the The idea of whatever you could find and whatever food you could find was connected to the people, also the people who, like women, who were who were the source of reproduction of the of the of society. That reproduction and production got separated. This is again Marxist theory. Um, with the with the rising of the of state of the state and well before capitalism, well before even feudalism, the but the emergence of the first states is where we start to see the conditions that would lay the basis for sexism, where where men would tend would tend to dominate over over women and women were separated from production as a as a, the process of production. So that's the idea, and and um so I I I don't look at Capitalism through the through a lens of calling it patriarchy. Capitalism is capitalism. Capitalism is a situation of capitalists over workers, but it benefits from sexism in the way in the way that all previous class separated societies uh, benefited from sexism or not has different aspects of it. You know, like the nuclear family, things like that. But anyway, um, so I don't really use a term like patriarchy because patriarchy to me implies. That we have a system where men rule over women, and I, I think we have a system where capitalists rule over workers, where sexism is used to divide uh, men female and male workers, and um, and men are women are more oppressed in such a society. But male workers will suffer under such a under such a regime where the capitalists rule over all of us, um, particularly with women's unpaid labor. Um, you know uh, that happens all the time in terms of raising children and keeping the household, and whatever. Um so but I also think like this this thing about I'm kind of come back to the toxic masculinity for me I think of gender roles when that term comes up and I think I think humans can be aggressive and are aggressive I think humans can be passive and are can be passive and can be caring can be violent can be sad can be angry can be frightened um but most of those things are segmented towards one gender or another in terms of our training, um, and this is why most, like for me, like I, it's I have an easier pathway towards anger and a harder path, emotional pathway towards sadness. Um, fear is pretty easy for me to get to, but I, I have a almost like a, a shame relationship to fear, like I shouldn't be afraid. Um, instead of accepting fear, uh, which is normal, because you know, and so that is part. I do believe that's part of my male training. And I think it hurts me. I think it hurts me individually. And I think it hurts men and women that we are trained with these very vari- in these various ways. Um, now women can break out of those things and men can, all of us, you can find men and women who, who have other, have more what we call male traits and, you know, vice versa female traits. But the reality is, is they should, I, I feel like this is just human traits that have been artificially segmented into, into gender, in my opinion. Um, and I think those roles are destructive, um, for, to be put onto workers of any sort. Um, and that real freedom would mean I would, I would be free, you know, to, uh, like I wouldn't be discouraged from crying, which I was when I was younger. And so I don't have a tendency to cry. I've had to do a decade and a half of counseling just to get more open and, and feel more comfortable at peace with the idea. I can cry about something where I've been hurt in the past or even hurt in the present. Um, and my partner, Brandy, has a much easier time crying. And I often, like sometimes when she cries, she'll be like, oh, sorry. But I'm like, I'm grateful for it. It, it helps me and get in touch with my own emotions when I see her cry about something that I've experienced, you know, because I'm less capable and personally of, of finding that outlet. But I know I'll feel better if, I, if that happens. And I've, I've experienced that, you know, with, like crying helps. So those are some things I, I'm, that come to mind for me when this is well off the field of John Jacobo, but it is in the area of, of thinking and talking about what does it mean to be in a, in a, for me, this is about being in capitalism in a sexist society and a term like toxic masculinity. It basically blames me for the training I got, uh, You know, under capitalism to say this is what this is the general you're you're segmented to. Um, and part of living in a free society is going to be the struggle to work with people who have different patterns, emotional patterns, and learn how to maybe adapt and develop some of those in in myself, despite the fact that I was trained to not have to express certain things, but not trained to express others. I don't know, that's a kind of a jumble, but that's that's what comes up in my mind.
1: You know, yeah, you know, that's like why I wrestle with with this terminology because it is pretty limiting. You know, it it eliminates um it it individualizes, you know, responsibility just like, you know, and it shames people. And of course it creates a, a circumstance where people feel attacked, you know, and and doesn't allow for change. You know, it builds walls, it doesn't, you know it doesn't, it, it limits our expression as humans, really, you know, and it actually does reinforce a lot of the things that we're supposed to be destroying, um, you know, like labeling someone or um, and you know, shaming. And that's why I understand some people in the right wing, you know, uh, you know, white men, right? Like the, you know, there's a term too that is also very triggering. I think for a lot of people like white fragility, right. Or um, and you know, like you said, people that that have a uh, have been trained a certain way, then you know will have a reaction when their their whole sense right is just that, and and then they're being shamed, especially people like the deplor- the deplorables right, like that uh, Clinton talked about, you know the people who I I claim that you know some of the most economically abuse over the last 30 to 40 years, because of, you know, neoliberalism, uh, you know, the neoliberalist project has been white American men, because a lot of their jobs have been, you know, they, 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 they don't, they have a shittier life than their parents, you know, and, and so you've seen a lot of this terminology, it does, it, it, it glosses over, you know, a lot of these factors that leads to the anger of you know, white Republican males, right? Or people that we, uh, the liberal left has labeled as just being that. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I I do agree with you and I use that just to kind of speak of something and that's just the terminology I have now, but I do see like the limiting, you know, um, and triggering, you know, factors uh, of of this language that has been actually used to continue segregating us. And, 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 you know, and we're not supposed to look and create notions. We are getting trained with this language. We are getting conditioned, you know, uh, with a lot of these uh, academic mumbo-jabu that has, in my mind, no real application. Because when I think of my family, you know, most of them in in Guatemala, they're like conservative. You know, that's why I keep saying in the show that the way I see it, most people in the world are conservative. They're not like San Francisco. San Francisco is kind of a bubble. You know, and it it actually uh, like an imperial bubble in my mind. You know that 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 it has. You know, so we talk about educating people, right? Not about having a conversation or you know having a deliberation and exchange of ideas. Be willing to disagree. No, we're just you know going on um, like missionaries. You know, going and and training and 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 subjecting people until they the the. They say and do and think the way we do, you know? And so that's just a recipe for disaster because the world doesn't work like that. You would never reach people in, 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 you know, like my uncle, who's an amazing person who fights for people, but he's somewhat racist, he's casually racist, casually sexist, and I disagree uh-huh. with this shit, you know, but I'm not gonna reach him with that, you know, I'm not gonna condone it. I'm not gonna participate in his shit because I think it's detrimental, but if we're not supposed to talk to these people, if we're supposed to label them as brutes, as ignorant, as backwards, right? That's imperial thought, right there for me. Then we would we, we'll never have something in common. You know, we we will always be mighty and superior and above them, and 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 that's there is no change there for me. You know, it actually just creates this this the, the clans, right? Just pick your clan and and stick to your clan because who the hell wants to be bullied? Who the hell wants to be shamed? Who the hell wants to be isolated? You know, and, and when people are against the wall, like I feel a lot of Republicans that voted for Trump and they were trying to give a middle finger to their establishment, you know, but here we are, right? Like on the left, liberal progressives, um, characters like, you know, how we started this conversation with Young Jacobo preaching all this shit, right? Doing the same shit that people on the right wing does, do, just but better semantics, better optics.
0: Right? But fundamentally it's the same shit, just different language and optics for me. Um I think that um what we are discussing is um, you know, we're talking about um Origins of sexism, we're discussing also some of it has to do with just personal and sorting out our own personal feelings around how we fit into it defined by society. I think sometimes we, yeah, I'll stop, I'll just say that. So, what I wanted to say is something around what Kenny had said about the way that we manage these terms. Because in San Francisco, you hear it all the time, patriarchy, sexism, white, fertility, all of this, right? And I would almost say that academics who have really studied this would also include some of the elements of what Andy has talked about, which is with about capitalism as well I would almost say that there are elements of that I have that I have read from academia but but I think that in the world of like um sorry there's a little fruit fly in here that keeps bothering me and so if you see me swatting it left or right it's because I had some food here yeah. <laughs> and so it it keeps okay. coming It's a DARPA spy. (laughs) And so, (laughs) so it's very distracting as I'm trying to, as I watch it here, walk down here, and then it's, you know, and I just swat it. So I'm now going to kill it, but here it is. So poor thing, you know, that's not very Buddhist of me. Uh, So, um, so now let's concentrate. I think there would be elements of what you're talking about, Andy, in academia. What happens is I think in San Francisco politics, is they take these very charging words, and they simplify it. It's very reductive. It's very reduced. And so we just label and say, this is what's happening. And then Democrats wanting to be on the right side, or wanting to be on the woke side, or wanting to be on the side of the underdog as they portray themselves to be, whether it be for BLM, for Me Too, for, uh, you know, at one point, even they were trying to take elements of Occupy long before. I think that Democrats pretend to be on the side of the survivors. They pretend to be, and this is what I wanted to go back to with John Hakobo and the politics of that and the and the hypocrisy of the left is so to speak, no? It's that it's that the Democrats pretend to be on your side. They're fighting against the patriarchy. They are fighting against sexism. They are there to support the Me Too movement, no? And forgetting some of the you know nuances that are Talked about in academia with regards to what some of the things that you have mentioned, Andy. Um, now it's debatable whether you know. I think it's more focused on not so much the the the, the class struggle or even the 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 the, um, the economic uh, competitive nature of driven to having these isms in order to divide the working class. I don't think that that is the focus, but I have seen elements in it in there, and uh, yeah, so. What happens is in that on the left is that all these terms, all these politically correct things on trying to be the right kind of person is the problem because there isn't there isn't no real genuine desire to help survivors, and John Hakobo's case is an example of that. It's this pretend to be there for you, but then when it's someone in your political circle politically that you don't stand up for what you said you would stand up for and i think that that's what i'm upset with bothered by i come to think of it
1: as um you know this is um there's a lot of sentiment not actual solidarity mm-hmm. that we we just all we can give is like good wishes and we hope it's better it's a lack of understanding of how our lives are interconnected, you know, and how you have to fight for yourself in order to show up for someone else, um, and so you know we have a lot of sentiment in in shaming, a lot of sentiment in labeling, you know, um, people, individuals that fail, you know, as humans, you know, that do cause harm, you know, and you know like. I'm not saying, for example, even that John Jacobo, like uh he didn't mean well, right? Like for the community. I'm sure he's done well. I mean, he has shown up for people, he has mm-hmm. gotten the crumbs and, and helped some people. My 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 again to bring it back to this, my my disgust is how we continue to perpetuate the elevation of. These characters that are damaging to all of us, you know, in in how a lot of people stay silent, you know. You know, I'm mad at the people that organize, you know, in our circles because we keep perpetuating the same madness, you know, of optics and and we keep disempowering people, you know, in in the sense that we are waiting for our saviors. We are waiting for a John Jacobo to rise up and show up for us. We are waiting for an Ocasio Cortez to show up for us. We are waiting for a Bernie Sanders, the spineless Bernie Sanders, to show up for us. But they—they've shown that they sell us out and they damage our communities because we put our hopes behind those people. You know, and and in that I think disempowers us. That that's the what I if I hope you know we can. Changes that understand that it is up to us. We need to empower ourselves, you know, to say no to this, not only to this system, but to those individuals that these systems validate. To stand up, you know, against the the people that want to, you know, abuse their power. Because I I, I don't want to live in a society that disempowers people. On the contrary, my 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 goal is to empower everyone and to have a voice and not be afraid. You know, I don't want to, I don't believe in, again, like a liberal progressive, like, you know, we need to shame men to lose their power, to give up their power willingly. No, we need to empower, you know, women, everyone in the society to be able to disagree with each other and say, I don't agree with that openly. You're wrong. That's not okay. But again, we're waiting for our saviors, you know, and, and, and we, you know condition and you know train people to to keep perpetuating the system so it, it's not just john jacobo here that's that should be that is you know being um that's facing the music it's all of us i think yeah and and
2: he will be used as an example again it's like the police where they say there's one bad apple but the rest he's going to be used as an example of like okay get him out now and now the rest of us can rise through and, you know, cause he was proven, oh, he, he wasn't real. I'm for real. Here I go. You know? Um, and the fact is, is that I appreciate what you said, Kenny. I don't, I don't know this person, John Jacobo. And I know that you've got a good feeling around him, but I appreciated what you said when you said you do not believe that he's in, like he's, he doesn't go around just abusing people or he's, he has been trying to help people. And those, some of the, some of the animated some of his actions. And I, I believe that. I mean, I believe that people, you know, do that kind of stuff. I think the, one of the issues comes with the notion that if I start to mistake my rise for the for the that, that, that somehow my rise benefits all, then I'm already, I'm off the path. And it's not just, I want to rise so I can abuse power. People want, you know, we hear, we see this progressive communities all the time. You see it in education. If I become an administrator, then the school will run better. If I become a manager, the school will be because, and that's then that's the well-meaning part of it, but those positions of power, by definition, are counting on abuse of. They are crafted so that you must abuse those below you, even if you want to do well by them, because that's your position now. You are in a position of helping of upper layers exploit, and that's that's what that's capitalism. So that's the system. So the only way that this can happen. It's all or nothing. It is all, or, we, and Eduardo, you and I have had that discussion. We've had this discussion here. Why does it have to be all or nothing? Because it is. Because capitalism either has to be completely taken apart and made into something else. I would call it socialism. It cannot be transformed into something nicer through its through the capitalist structure. Um, and there's a, there's a quote. So I think you put it a good way, Kenny, which is it's not gonna just be one person rising that, or any individual who's a well-meaning individual rising. But I think there's a really important quote that Brian often quotes from Eugene Debs, That I, I'm going to, let's see, what is it? He says, while there is a lower class, I am in it. While there is a criminal element, I am of it. While there is a soul in prison, I am not free. And I think that is another conception we have to let that. I feel like we have to layer into it is like, if, teacher, like, like, if teachers get, get a better pay, but paraprofessionals are still in the ground, then there has been no advancement. There are none. There's nothing. No progress has been made. It's all, it's all of us or none of us. That is the conception we have to now understand. And when I say all of us, I don't mean capitalists. I mean workers. And I don't mean U.S. workers. I mean the international working class. But either we all rise or we have, where there's been no, there's been no, there has been no benefit. There has been no increase. Because there can only, there can only be a rising when there are no people in prison, when there is no Abu Ghraib, when there is no Guantanamo Bay, when there is no Afghanistan being, you know, destroyed by the United States. So it can't be just, oh, it gets all good here in the United States, but Afghanistan be left to like, to, to rot with as an imperial plaything. If you're, if we're in that situation, then not, then the world is not advancing in terms of an actual cause that we can believe in. Because while one person is getting droned, we are all like, we are all getting droned. That's that is the reality. And so we have to understand that this isn't all or nothing game and we will all rise together. Those of us who are all oppressed and that's that's who that that is who's going to benefit from this struggle together or we cannot speak. And if we don't all rise together, then we cannot speak of any sort of advancement. It's, it's just a sham. It's, a, it's, it's just the same system staying in place with better characters put on there, maybe trickling down a few things to fool somebody so there's no major change. Um, and I think that's why it's so important that, for me, that these, that left and right, and vaxxed and unvaxxed, like there was a period where people in, who were unvaxxed were like, wait a second, those vaccinated people are shedding spike proteins, right? You know, we, I don't want to be around them you know, because they're shedding spike proteins. And, you know, and uh, to me, I really heard in that that, that buying into this division that is going to be fermented with, you know, that's going to be implanted within us. And I don't think we can go for that. There, there are such a thing as diseases, there are bacteria, there are viruses, I believe, you know, and I know there's people out there who don't believe in viruses. And I don't think those people are foolish, they just have a different idea. Um, But so there are going to be in associating with each other, there's the possibility of of, of being hurt. There's a possibility of threat. But there is no possibility of global social change without all of us coming together in some way, shape or form. And that does not just mean leftists. That means people on the left and on the right. That means the working class. And that means immigrants. That means people who can't get into this country because of passports, the same kind of passports that are going to limit whether people can go to Starbucks in San Francisco. Those 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 passports there. Are no less onerous if you're some if you're in Central Valley and you think somehow passports are only bad within your city. No, they're also bad along the borders. We have to get rid of those as well. So it's um that is something that's coming to my mind right now as we have this conversation.
1: Um there is one more element that I wanted to touch on regarding this uh this case. Um is the fact that you know the person that came out. With you know basically outing uh, John Jacobo, uh, did not want to pursue uh, criminal charges, uh, but the case has escalated to the point where you know because it's public, uh, you know, also there is uh, links between um, uh, John Jacobo and Chesa Boudin. You know, Chesa Boudini is the district attorney uh, of San Francisco, pretty famous. A lot of people went to bat for him, Um, even though during BLM, he said, you know, he was siding with the police, uh, you know, and and a lot of things. Point being is that um, this case might be escalated to uh, to the state, basically, not outside of the jurisdiction of the city, uh, despite, you know, the wishes of this person, you know, and you know, it kind of shows like the reach of the state, you know, uh, when something is made public um, because, you know, there is plenty of situations like you of abuse, uh, sexual violence that don't get discussed, um, you know, and, and it takes someone, you know, with a college, Stanford educated person, right? To basically go to a war against a person with proximity to power, you know? And so, Sadly, this is not unique. This case, uh, there are many John Jacobos out there in our political system. There are many people like him that are presidents. You know, which is funny, right? Like one of the the, the, the ironies and contradictions of the liberal, you know, uh, progressives, in the sense that you know Trump was uh, this predator, right? Of course, he's a nasty man. You know, he has he's he thinks he owns the world. But is Biden any better, right? Like we were, we were, we were like really like saying how Trump was a, in this disgusting male, and what about Biden? You know, but it, it, and that is what I'm mad about. That's what I'm upset about. This how we like you, Eduardo, brought up how we're willing to turn away when it, when it's like you know when it's someone from the gang, someone representing your color. You know, and, and that goes in in so many issues, immigration, these vaccine passports, vaccine mandates, you know, uh, you know, I guess what Democrats, liberal progressives are really pushing for is just the ability to decide on people's lives, you know, not freedom, not real freedom, you know, and and so again, it's just, uh, for me, it's like um, (laughs) going to work with the state means deciding how we're going to deal with things like this in our our community, not pretending like it didn't happen, not pretending like, you know, it's just another case. And I, I hope people don't misunderstand me. I'm not victim blaming when I'm saying I want to empower women to say no. Right. Like I want to empower everyone, you know, in, in order to have a society that with this type of abuse is perpetuated in so many ways because of the systems, right? Like I'm an advocate of, you know, eliminating private property why because i want people who are in abusive situations to be willing to leave and not be economically depending on anybody you know a lot of abuse happens because of that you know people stay in abusive situations because of you know the coercion of this system you know where that we're born into you know where you have to pay rent and all these you gotta do all these dances but long story short it's just um um for me it's 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 gonna take Changing the system is going to take real conversations, you know. You know, beyond repeating the same shit. You know, having tough conversations regarding this, like how does this damage our community? Because this, uh, this incident or this uh, news, made a massive emotional, psychological impact on a lot of people I organized with. It was highly damaging, and you know. And so, how are we going to deal with that? you know, outside of the state, because the state is not in it to really, you know, like, so, you know, this, and it's not up to them. I don't want to leave it up to them. You know, it's, 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 what are we going to do when we see something, you know, are we going to stay true to our principles ourselves? You know, and so, yeah, like, that's what it bothers me that the, you know, the state is just running with it. And and mainly because it's now like, in the news, really, because otherwise they don't give a shit if you're a nobody. Well, yeah, that was one of the things
2: I have to say that was impressive about the person who came forward with who, with these accusations and who said that you know they were raped was that they were like, I don't want, I don't want the criminal just, I don't trust the criminal justice system to help women. I don't trust the criminal justice justice to to adjudicate uh, in a just way on a person of color you know? Um, and, and it seemed fairly clear that person had been harmed and needed, but needed to get it out because they felt like they were having to deal with it. in I isol- like, like they were just stuck with dealing with it. So they had to get it out. And so I, I personally think that's the right thing to do is to get it out. Um, I, you know, and, and then you have, then that's when the state can come in and do it, you know, and do it, whatever it wants to do with that information. Um, and I, I agree with Kenny that I, I trust the intention of the person who reported this and it made sense to me. And I think that would be the right thing to do is to get that stuff out. And I also, I appreciated that she was fairly firm, been firm the whole time that she doesn't want the criminal justice system involved in it, doesn't trust it to do, to to deal with this properly, feels like it needs to be dealt with by the people around, you know, um, and, um, but I, I also think that when the state gets involved it has its own um it it it's no longer in control by us because it's it has its own agenda at that point well I
1: you mean, know, what i would say is that you know um i guess a lot of people are pushed to pursue the criminal system you know route uh to provide some sort of justice right um and um You know, for example, in this case, the the person that came out is actually being more traumatized, right? Because, you know, their name is being dragged in the news and all this and stuff. And uh, now the state is taking her agency, right? Like her determination of her case out, out of her hands. And, you know, and a lot of people actually, again, victimize the victims again by basically kind of guilting them because they're not, They're part of the problem, right, because they're not pursuing as if the state is exists to keep us protected. Right. And that is one of the notions that people have, um, you know, a hard time to let go. Even the people that attended BLM, you know, that I know uh, they were next day trying to call the cops on someone, you know, because uh, that's the only recourse that we understand as keeping us protected, quote unquote. and so, um, again, I think there is just, just this uh, perpetual notion that the police is there to protect and serve. Right, like that's their literal motto. Uh, when we've discussed here that their primary function is not to do that; is to defend the system and protect private property. You know, and and so, um, you know, if we really want to change society in a profound way, we're gonna have to go against these systems you know, and and live outside of them, you know, and and really destroy them because they, they are, uh, they actually perpetuate these violence. Because even say, you know, we know this, like since you send someone to prison, my mom knows this. You send them to prison, they come out, you know, they go to school, you know, of criminality, because you have to, because you become a slave of the state. You know, you you will have, you know, a hard time getting a job, housing, you know, you are traumatized in jail, you know, but the, the, you know, all the shit that you have to do to survive. And so it perpetuates a bunch of violence, you know, like this system is not made to protect us. You know, it it it, it jails is really um, as we know, for the poor and the working poor and in, you know, because if you have a great lawyer and you know, you get a slap on the wrist, ask Pfizer about it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, if anyone wants to go see, um, because I think we have touched on many, um, parts to this story, and it's all related, and somehow we've been making it work. And if you've gotten this far, and you probably feel like we didn't give justice to sharing more details of the story, you can always. I will link some uh, articles to the episode notes. Uh, I think that hearing uh, her voice directly from her own uh self for her Twitter account is powerful. I think she also organized and put a lot of time and effort to create this uh Google Doc where she listed out details and proof and her feelings about it. And I will link to the episode notes as well uh, her uh, her her document as well as her reasons why she didn't want to move forward with uh pressing charges against John Jacobo. Uh what stuck with me and 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 was something about how she decided to go and pursue restorative justices. Um, but it didn't she didn't feel it complete with it because for many reasons she went into another article about it. I do know of people who know John Jacobo and he's a strong ego and um, his personality. And, and so I suspect that there might have been elements of just sort of, okay, let's just do this process to get it over with. But, you know, I don't really agree sort of that I did this to you kind of thing. And there wasn't a real sort of completion there. And, and so even cause she mentions that, In April, she had just said that she had been sexually assaulted, no? But then she said that over the summer of this year, she had seen more of this recurrent pattern. So she didn't really see that there was a change in John Hakobo. And therefore, she came forward and it's not her, she said she's not going to talk about the other people's uh, victims of John Hakobo, But she thought it was important then to start saying the name. In order for the community to see, hold on, community, put this person in check, because obviously the restorative justice that we did back in April between he and I did not work. But I also don't believe in the criminal system to be pursuing him. But he has a lot of people in his circle that can put him to check. That's what you need to be doing. And that's what her intention was, no? And so uh I thought that was incredible from her part. I um I know that we as workers. And if we're going to be organizing together and an example of that is the ISO, um, Andy, the ISO is an example of a lot of things that happened within that organization that what do we do as workers when we are trying to organize with the folks that might do something like sexism, that, that display of sexism, right? Or that might be racist or say something like, that is something I'm exploring. Because I've been brought up and that's been brought up to me is like you're going to be organizing with the right that has said very hurtful things to immigrants, hurtful things to and don't want. They say that we should vet immigrants still. And you're going to I've been told this recently, or if I'm going to vote for the recall, you're going to vote. You're going to let it go fall into someone that thinks that there should be reparations for is they, um, the owners of slave slave owners. This is what the latest, uh, one of the Republican candidates has said. So I think that we don't know what it's like to really create communities or spaces for us to heal or to try to create restorative justice or some version of that, to be able to deal with conflicts that might arise, such as this one to this gravity or such as just hurtful things that people say, no? So I don't think it's this episode's um, responsibility uh, or I think this is a larger conversation but as I'm wrapping up, I do think that that's something we have to explore and something I think I'll, it'll be confronting once when, as we are continuing to organize with other workers in our Facebook group or another move and groups where people are coming from. The, the background of Trump or the background of a conservative idealism. No? And I think we mentioned a little bit of that, how it was jarring for us last Wednesday or. In some sort, in some in some protests where we went with uh against the vaccines or against the vaccine mandates, how there were some trump supporters no and that's a little bit off for some so it'll it'll be some discovery we have to do no and I've, I'm taking it everywhere now but i I just wanted to say that I, I i commend her and I stand with her and I also think that there needs to be more community uh, healing and uh and and I'll leave it there yeah so'm I'm, I'm done with my comments. Yeah, I mean, maybe the only thing I'd add is,
2: uh, in the same way that I think the the capitalist democracy is a fake democracy, I believe that there's only the only true democracy will be a workers' democracy, a collective, a a collective struggle that binds workers together across international boundaries. Is 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 the whatever that brings whatever form that brings us together. That's the only thing. That's the only kind of democracy I believe in. That is also the only kind of justice I believe in. Like, um, I don't think there is capitalist justice. I think um, there there can only be justice in a, in a movement of people, of workers, trying to change society. I do think that the way this woman has approached it has the spirit of attempting to try to do it from below. Um, and that is, that's really meaningful for me. Like, that seems to be the spirit that animates it, in addition to, to trying to, like, you know, um, not have to suffer alone with it because you know it's it was abuse done to you and i do think there's a difference between bad words used against people versus really bad actions and, and abusive actions um and any movement that we build is going to have to figure out how does it what does justice mean but i don't think we can under i don't think that can be done under capitalism i don't, i think we can that'll have to be redefined and refigured out with a movement that's Challenging capitalism, but it's going to have to deal with the abuses that happen within our own movement, um, whether they be uh, wor- uh, words that are that are harmful, or real, and, and I would say worse deeds and actions that are harmful, uh, and that is a much more serious thing. That if a movement cannot deal with that, it can also not deal with changing the world, because <laughs> it's going to be part of, of of a new society that we're trying to build. So I don't think I know what it looks like. In the same way that i don't think i know exactly what our movement will look like in order to stop these mandates and stop you know the, the this capitalist drive towards data collection towards competition towards china that's going to lead to world war three in my mind that's where it leads i have a notion that it must involve all of us but what exactly it looks like i don't know i just know that it, that that we're talking about all of us rising not one of us
1: Well, basically. For our community, you know, this is uh, obviously a challenge. Um, this is not the last time. I'm sure there are cases that are not out there, not in public. Um, but you know, just to remember that we need to find a way. We're gonna have to find a way to, you know, to deal with these situations um that does not involve because that's the challenge, right? When situations like this happens, our immediate instinct is to go to the criminal system, you know. And and so I think there's things for me to learn, uh, uh, you know, in, and, and for example, it just brings up, you know, me like being unequipped to to deal with someone with a uh, a houseless person that came to work, you know, and having an episode and the only tool I had in my arsenal was the police, you know, and so, you know, so I do, you know, even though I do talk a lot of shit about liberal progressive stuff, I do think there are elements, there are good things too, you know, I'm not saying, but we have to be highly critical, and I think understanding how capitalism governs our lives, and, you know, it's important, it's not, it's not secondary, as a lot of our spaces, you know, bring it up, it's central, you know, it's a glue that holds all our lives and destinies together, um and so i think there are important conversations we're gonna hope i hope we have about this that turn into actions um you know because this wasn't the only incident where i you know in the last few months i've experienced or seen the violence right of a a member of our community um not long ago um there you know there was an incident at a Rio. uh you know, a bar where men were piling on a, a woman, you know, physically. And, and a lot of people just watch, student watch. And that, to me, is a microcosm of, you know, of our community. So how do we want to run our community? You know, if we don't want cops, how the hell are we going to run it? And we're going to have to wrestle with that. And I think that's the question you're both kind of bringing up. And I, I have similar questions. And it's not just my decision. I'll have opinions. And I think you, you all have opinions. And I hope everyone else does too. And it feels empowered to to have opinions and be wrong, because we're not gonna get it right on the first try, you know. And and but that's that's kind of the process of democracy, it's not easy, you know. Um, you know, it's not a dictatorship, right? Like we can't wait whether it's at work or whether it's, you know, in our own homes, in our own community, and they all connect, but we can't wait for someone to come and save us. That's kind of my point. You know, we need to be empowered to have an opinion and be willing to be wrong and stand corrected if we're wrong. And, you know, about a situation. And, you know, that's my last thought. In some ways,
2: I really... During this episode, I have been thinking about AJ and I've been thinking about our frequent guest, Jessica. I'm really curious what they would think about some of the things we had to say. So part of me actually wants to say, look, those two in particular... If there's, if you're hearing this episode and there's things you thought were, were missed or that you feel like needs to be said, I really hope you invite yourself to our next episode or something. Um, to, because I, I, you know, I'm glad we had this conversation, but obviously we're all men, you know, so it would be, it would be interesting to see if some of our people who listen to this show, who value what we're saying and I value what they're, what they've said, um if they have some other thoughts on this that they'd want to share with us. So that is something that's on my mind. But Eduardo, you'd have to decide whether you want to keep that or not.
0: I think that, uh, yeah, that's important. And I, I think it would, if Jessica or AJ had anything to say, they are close enough to us to say it and they would text us. They wouldn't just email us. They would text us and like, oh, I've got some things to say about that.
2: Yeah. And I'm I, this was a very good discussion. I really appreciate it. And I, Eduardo Kenny, I think I'm glad you said let's get together on Sunday and do this. And Eduardo, I really appreciate your statement about fear. That opened
0: things up for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right that does it for this week's episode what's left the weekly political podcast slash channel challenging the mainstream left we post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes where have you found this episode or on our blog at web-s-left.webnote.com you can find an archive there of our past episodes if we ever get shut down um and you can find also um a way to connect with us there. is the okay uh, and i remind folks if you you like anything you have heard here please share your favorite episodes rate review subscribe all that good stuff to any of our platforms on spotify itunes podcast stitcher google play uh BitChute, odyssey o-d-y-s-e-e uh, youtube and you can find us on telegram as well and if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover contact us through our blog and a very good responder uh and am eduardo Barca, we co-host kenny cepeda and andy libson we'll see you next time